Welcome to episode number nine of the Elite Training for Basketball podcast. Today we're going to talk about changing this one variable and how if you know how to manipulate that variable, it will affect your training so that you are more explosive on the basketball court. We talk about specificity this episode and how your training needs to be specific to the requirements of the game of basketball. And then we get into intensity and what intensity means and that that's probably not what you think intensity means and how when you can manipulate intensity, your eyes will be open to what weights you should use at what times of the season and how much weight you should be putting on the bar in the weight room to affect your performance on the basketball court. So sit back and enjoy Coach Sean as he delivers this presentation. Button is live. Let's see. Woo. We are now streaming live on Facebook podcast number nine. Welcome uh, Elite Training for Basketball gals and guys. Uh, I'm your host Phil Gephardt along with Sean Sanisi, my co-host here. Um, we're really excited about today. We're going we're gonna to talk about training intensity um, and, and how we can manipulate this one variable to really um, uh, affect the desired outcome of our training, which if you're training for basketball, man, get quicker, get faster, get more explosive, increase your vertical jump. That's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to essentially tune our motor to work at this, at this rate uh, and to do it when we need it in a game, whether it's beating our defender, whether it's moving our feet to stay in front of our um, uh, the guy we're guarding, whether it's you know, just getting up for a rebound or a dunk. So, um, so I'm excited for this one. Uh, Sean's going to pretty much take the reins, but like I always like to start, um, I like just talking about training. I mean, I, I like to practice what I preach. Um, I train hard myself. I still train, you know, like an athlete with some physique stuff in there too. Um, but, uh, but Sean, what's, uh, what's up with you lately? What's going on with your training? Uh, same old man, still do my weightlifting Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I hit, uh, oh, I hit a back squat. I don't know if it's a PR, but hit 320 for a set of four on my top yeah. set felt pretty good. Um, I did a set of dips today unassisted for the first time since for, my for people training. watching for people watching. That's what 140 kilos that, that don't follow the, oh, I have to, <laughs> I'd have to do some backwards math, but you can take 320 and, uh, divide yeah. it by. 2.2. I'm going to pull up the calculator really quick. Yeah, 145. 145 nailed it. kilos for four reps. You nailed right, it. Go ahead. And then uh, I did dips for the first time unassisted. I did a set of 10 with like three second eccentrics with no pain yeah. um, after tearing my pec over the summer. So I'm uh, feeling really good about that. So that's a huge win for me today. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I, um, you know, you have a guy, a coach writing your programs. I have a coach writing my programs and uh, started a, a new phase last week. And I have a two week, you know, AB week. So this is my B week. So um, my training today was all posterior chain. My ACL, Ooh. if y'all follow me on, on Instagram, Get Part Strength, I, I totally posted it in my story. So you can check out video and, and everything. But uh, I had a good morning, four to six reps at a 3-2 XO tempo, so down in three, pause for two, and then up fast. Um, seven sets of four to six. B series was an RDL, four sets of 10 to 12 at a 4-0-2-0 tempo. So down in four, up in two. 
So each set was taking me, you know, a minute 10, you know, to, to complete. Um, uh, and then my C-series was just shrugs. So uh, my back is trashed right now. <laughs> <laughs> my lower back is going to be nice and stiff tomorrow. But Oh, yeah, that was me over the weekend with my squats. But the cool thing is I would have never written that workout for myself. I don't think I ever would have. So, um, so I'm glad that, you know, like you as well, hitting PRs and all this stuff, I'm glad I have this new kind of way to go with this coach uh, who's just a, a great, a great coach. So definitely lets me focus on training other people. So I don't have to worry about training myself. Exactly. It's so worth it to just go in and pull it up and what are we doing today? Okay. This is great. Versus I'm cool. Uh, well, let's get into it. Training intensity. Um, it doesn't sound fun. It doesn't sound appealing on paper. So Sean, <laughs> I'm really excited to see what you do with this. I'm excited to see what I do with this too. <laughs> All right. Take it away. Uh, you want to pull up the PowerPoint? Yeah, we're going to share the screen here. All right. You got it? Yeah. Let me uh, get that second slide. We're going to go through a little bit, just kind of talk about um, training outcomes. Honestly, this slide, what are we trying to do, right? What do we want? We want to manipulate the weight room variables in a scientific manner or specific manner that allows us to achieve an adaptation. An adaptation is simply just an adjustment of an organism in its environment, right? So we wanna think about adapting our body towards our goals. If we're trying to get bigger, stronger, faster, we wanna do the right amount of training or the appropriate style of training that gets us closer to our goals. It's also important to note that while we are looking for adaptations in the training room, um, there's also an adaptation if you don't train. So we call that a maladaptation. As far as the body's concerned, it's the same thing, right? So we add stresses to the body. We provide a specific stress. It changes specifically. If we are adding other types of stress, like you know, sitting and being lethargic, the body adapts towards those things as well. So the body, the body is a really smart, complicated, oh, jumble of you know hormones and things like that. But it is, it is definitely going to adapt towards whatever you give it, right? So we want to give it speed, strength, power, hypertrophy. Um, and endurance. Yeah. Uh, let me get that next slide there, Phil. Yep. So again, so we want that adaptation. Um, your kids, like I said, your body's always changing. Um, we need to make sure that we're always changing for the better. Um, you know, we have immediate and delayed effects of adaptation, right? You probably feel pretty shitty right after a workout. You're not going to be much stronger that next day. Um, but what we're really looking for are the delayed effects, right? We want the we want to be stronger from our training um, the next couple of weeks to a month. That's when training really sets in. Yeah. Um, well, so we want to. Let me let me interrupt you really quick because yeah. Um, I enjoy this. I'm 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 literally sitting on the edge of my seat, like I'm I'm on hanging on every word. Um, what some of you basketball players who are out there, um, and a lot of you are from different countries. This might seem uh like we got the the lab coats on and we're really going in, into the weeds and that's well and good I mean, we kind of are uh, we're going to do a, a a little bit of a deep dive here but um we are going to bring it around to the practical side of things and yeah, show we're gonna get you, through this quick yeah like hey this is we're gonna we need to do a, a b and c and if you do these in your training sessions and then you will become a, a faster athlete so um stick with us uh, I, I'm glad I can't see any uh, any nodding off heads or any uh, you know any of the head poppers. But uh, but sorry, Sean, take it away. Oh no problem. Right. So um, we're trying to elicit a change over time, 
The immediate effect is going to be fatigue. You feel tired after a game. You're tired after a workout. That's totally okay. Uh, the delayed effects, the positive effects, those are the ones that we're going to want, right? Um, and then our training should induce specific results. I want to do specific style of training to be more explosive. I need a specific style of training sets and reps in which we'll get into at the end um, to get stronger or to get more power, right? And so specificity is on a spectrum. Phil, let me get that next slide. Um, oh. Oh, all right. Um, so these are just right. the four main. Yeah, we'll just go over adaptation real quick. So adaptation happens to everybody, right? We need to overload. So I need to be creating more than my habitual level. So I'm either overloading weight or volume for us. I need to have accommodation. Accommodation is allowing your body to get used to the training over those few days. The more you practice a skill, the more you get better at it. That's accommodation. So this is very, very violated for everyone who jumps around from different workouts every week or every day. You need the accommodation to take place because that's when the skill set and that's when the training sets in. Specificity we talked about. I call that rehearsal of movement. A lot of, a lot of the players that I train, they're really poor movers in the weight room. And it's that rehearsal of movement that gets their nervous system and their muscles to realize, okay, when he says this exercise, this is how it needs to be done. And so our, our next four slides are gonna dive into each of these principles individually. And we'll go through that pretty quick. Specificity, we've already talked about specific training. And then um, individualization is just making sure that you are planning training and using training for each person, right? Um, we'll get into a little bit more of that as we go down. So let me get that next slide overload. The biggest thing on overload guys is it's gotta be more than you're used to. It's gotta be more than habitual level. If I go to the gym, and I do three sets of 10 at 100 or 100 kilos, let's just say, and that's all I ever did, I'm never really going to get better, right? I'm not going to get stronger. I need to create change in the body by, by increasing the effort, right? So what I want to get on with intensity and overload, one of the big things that I talk about intensity is look at it as effort. It doesn't have to be simply a load. So if you think about um, an NFL lineman, and he's, he's bench pressing 300 pounds. Is that dangerous? Probably not, right? Because he's an NFL lineman um, versus someone who new to the gym and he's been bench pressing 300 pounds. That's going to be very different in different levels of effort. So I can't really say if 300 pounds was heavy for that lineman because we don't know what his true 1RM is. That could be a very light effort for him. Um, so effort defines how difficult or intense the workout is. Think about plyometrics, jumping. There's no weight involved with jumping, but a, a max effort jump is, is still a very high intensity exercise. There's no weight, but it's still extremely tough and takes rapid movement with force. Um, let me get the next, oh, so progressive, right? I'm sorry, fill one real quick. So progressively, right? Progressive overload means I'm just adding a little bit over time. I'm adding more weight. I'm adding a new... Uh, technique or piece to this technique um, over time. Um, let's detraining, retraining, and stimulating loads. You cannot, you you can't get a stimulating load unless you stress yourself. So the point of training is to create stress. If you finished your workout and you weren't fatigued, that workout probably wasn't changing your body in any particular way. Yep. So this is the issue when people go to the gym, and I, I have on here a research study of. Um, people picking the wrong weight but when we manage intensity 
this is the king of all variables and will dictate what your training looks like. Yeah. Uh, the next slide, accommodation. So this is just a biological law. The more you do something, the gains will decrease from doing it. So if I did bench press over and over and over and over, I'm not going to see the same bench press gains, right? But that's okay because that means I need to adjust the kind of bench press that I'm doing. So I need to create a training stimulus and I want that to accommodate. I want to get better at that training stimulus, but that's when we change this, the workout. So we typically, me and Phil, when we program, we typically use the same workout, the same exercises for three to four weeks at a time, but we're progressively overloading the exercises and we're progressively adding weight to that exercise or technique. Um, we don't need to get into the DeLorman Watkins protocol, um, but just know that you're going to see a diminished return the more you do something. So it's important to um, increase the variability of that. But just because performance gains decrease doesn't mean your performance is decreasing. That just means if you did the same thing over time, that specific result will decrease. So it's important to make sure we're, we're varying so we don't hit plateaus. That's essentially a plateau, right? Your gains will decrease. Um, everyone can approve. No one's maxed out. LeBron is not maxed out. He's pretty close to his ceiling, but I firmly believe that if we, if he gets the best possible training, he can still improve because he can accommodate towards different style of exercise. Um, I think uh, I want to jump in here. Isn't, uh, didn't you spell gains wrong? I mean, Instagram says gains is spelled with three Z's normally at the end. I, uh... You know, it's funny, Phil, the script I'm reading off of, I have gains with a Z. So that's a little bit of a discrepancy. And uh... <laughs> All right. I feel it. So training specificity on the next slide, training should transfer. This is, this is another hugely violated principle. Training should transfer. We want to mimic our sport this is ultimate this is a frisbee game look at this guy he is he is in the air right so for this sport it's very similar to basketball um we want to transfer our training to our sport but it transfers also from exercise to exercise if i do a, a back loaded squat that's also going to transfer to my vertical jump it's also going to transfer to my front loaded squat it's also going to transfer to my deadlift off the floor because i'm still training legs so there's transfer from exercise to exercise and they all have a carryover effect. Um, but in the picture of the person doing a clean, that's specific to the person doing the jump because he's fully extending, he's creating triple extension off the ground. To be able to jump like that, one might postulate that doing that clean would be an advantageous exercise to create a full extension ground-based power movement to propel yourself up in the air like that. Yeah. So you perform that movement to do that. So the weight training can be specific to the exercise or the, the performance outcome that you want. So specific training is super important when talking about training variables. Let's get a little bit more into, we'll skip individualization. That just means people are different. Actually go back real quick, Phil. This is a screenshot of Arnold's chest workout. If you gave that to a beginner, you would be absolutely wrecked. You're not Arnold. So don't try Arnold's workout. That was made for Arnold. He's got tons of training under his belt. He's got, uh, he's adapted to a certain level of volume. So this kind of volume was made for him. That's five, five, five. Those are five sets of 15 and 20 with like 10 different exercises. Like that would bury a normal person, right? So he's also pros, pretty, pretty geared up. He's, he's taking some good substances to make that happen. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, but it's just, 
goes to show everyone tries to do the workout that their favorite celebrities doing or their favorite athletes doing, you're not going to get the right amount of gains. You're not going to get individual specific results for you because that workout wasn't made for you. So don't use their training programs. Use someone that knows you, someone that you've talked to, someone that can qualify you for what your training is and what you need to be doing. Okay, so now intensity. What is intensity? Uh, what slide is that? We're there. Which of these um, people are working at a high intensity? Right, which of these people are working at high intensity? You can, you can speculate, you could guess. I mean, the guy on the right, yeah, he's probably working at a pretty high intensity. Working in the middle, that could be pretty high intensity for her, depending on how strong her bicep curl is. Guy on the left, no, definitely not. That's definitely not a high intensity. So I use this uh, imagery to show that there is a inverse relationship between intensity and duration. So the more, the longer the duration of an intense, blah, 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 I can talk, I promise. The longer the duration of an exercise, by definition, the less intensity it can be. So when we're talking about intensity, we're talking about rapid effort, extreme effort. This graph here on the left is called a Thorsonson's test. Um, it's a test we use in the lab to kind of uh, predict muscle fiber type or your percentage of type one and type two fast twitch, slow twitch fibers. It's a 50 rep knee extension test where you basically kick your knee 50 times and they see what kind of power you can maintain. Um, and as you'll see this graph, it's almost impossible to maintain a high intensity with that many reps. And so each of those little bar graphs is a rep over the course of this thing. So intensity and duration have a inverse relationship. So a marathon might be difficult, but it is not intense by definition. Um, so intensity, let's re redefine intensity. When we think about it, it's not as simple as just percent of RM. It needs to be like we talked about earlier, uh, needs to be a percent of effort. How much effort, reps per set, uh, the number of reps at a max weight. These are all different styles to, to garner intensity. Um, but let's think about it more as, as effort. So different resistance. Resistance has different outcomes, different adaptations to different resistance. Um, so if you're looking here and we're looking at the chart, we can see the resistance on the left says resistance RM one, there's five to 10, and then there's over 25. If you're looking down there at the bottom where we got the, the cursor. So different weights do different things to your body. So if I'm looking at protein degradation, we know through, through research and muscle fiber typing and through you know, other scientific testing that you get the most degradation when resistance is heavy. The protein degradation is one of the major factors that helps grow muscle. So if you ever see Olympic weightlifters and powerlifters, they're big people, they're very strong people because heavy resistance helps grow muscle by degrading muscle proteins, signaling genetic signaling to grow new muscle. So protein degradation, it signals cell growth. It disrupts the muscles. You get the micro tears. There's your gains with a Z, Phil. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Going a little heavier, you know, putting some weight on the bar, that's going to drive some more... Uh muscle breakdown, protein degradation, and it's gonna help people get some more, uh, put some more muscle on, huh? some more size. And so that's something with heavy weight, but if you look at five to 10 reps or 20 reps, the amount of protein degradation is, is less. So we're not getting the same amount of mechanical stress. However, maybe on a different day, we can talk about the metabolic stress happening and uh, lactate and hormone signaling that happens with lower intensity or sorry, more, uh, higher volume work.
So that's something we, we play around with. Yeah. Um, so we need to embrace the stress. The stress is what, the stress is what gives us the adaptation. Um, so embrace the stress. So Hans Selye is a, a scientist and a biological scientist, and he has the general adaptation syndrome, gas, right? So any living organism has the same stress response. It, once you receive a stress, if you give it time to recover, you will supercompensate. Supercompensation is what we're after. The supercompensation is gains. That's when your body becomes more resilient from the training. So we really want to supercompensate. That's the goal of training. But you need to do enough work with enough load to result in enough protein degradation to get the right adaptation we're looking for. So you need to hit these things specifically. This is where specificity of training comes in. On top of that, yep, keep going. Next slide. Um, so max weight lifted results in metabolic changes. Um, we're also increasing the max number of motor units. A motor unit is a muscle um, nerve and the muscle fiber that it connects to. So a motor unit is the nerve and the muscle being activated. And I'll show you kind of what that looks like here in a second. Um, but we want our fast switch fibers recruited. We want very high signal transmission from the brain to the muscle to create a very fast type of contraction. We need to train our fast twitch fibers for strength, speed, and power. They're the fibers responsible for strength, speed, and power. Uh, strength, speed, and power are dominated by your fast twitch type two large, strong muscle fibers. So we need to activate those fibers. We need to get them trained. We have to turn them on in order to train them. The only way you turn on those fast twitch muscle fibers is either max weight or max speed. If you're doing something maximally heavy or doing something maximally fast, like a box jump, we're getting the greatest recruitment of type two muscle fibers. So we have to turn them on. And then once they're turned on, we have to train them. And then once you train them, they adapt. So we need to train, need to adapt. That's kind of what we're getting to. So we need to activate, get them trained. Once they're trained, then they adapt. Um, so this is where intensity makes a big difference. You guys, if you're not using the right load for your set, you're not turning on your type two muscle fibers. You're not turning on the muscles that are responsible for speed, strength, and power. That's the take home message, right? That's what this whole thing is about. Um, if you want to atrophy, then do nothing, right? Um, so rate coding, uh, one sec, Phil, real fast. So rate coding, like I mentioned earlier, rate coding is... Um, the first thing, it's how your motor units turn on. It's the signal speed from your brain. Um, it's action potentials past 80%. We need to get those, um, need to get those activated. So on this, there's a fitness study that was done in a generic gym um, where they picked random people to test exercises on. They looked at the number of reps those people were doing, and then they measured their 1RM. Would you believe that they were 50, 40 to 50% off of the weight from their actual 1RM? So yeah. if someone's, we'll get into charts on what rep schemes do what here in the meet, but if you're trying to get a specific result and you're 50% off your best weight, you're probably not getting the results you're after. No. And so you might as well, you know, you might as well not even go to the gym at that point. If you're lifting half your best weight, you're just kind of maybe doing some stretching with the muscle and, and at best, right? It's basically a stretch. Um, so like you said, over 80%, we have to be to, uh, you know, elicit that fast twitch fiber recruitment to yeah. affect the higher end 
correct? And that's the biggest thing I've seen with 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 players is um, you know weight matching the repetitions that they're using. So then let me get uh, the next slide there. Get into the meat. So this is how your body recruits motor units. So if you look at them from size, so this is uh, Hinneman is another scientist. This is um, size principle of motor unit recruitment. If you look at the little motor units on the left, those are recruited first. The motor units in the middle are recruited next and the motor units at the end are recruited last. So your body has to go through an organized process of recruiting muscle fibers before it can recruit the type two. So fibers are recruited based on load. If I only give it a 50% load, it's only gonna recruit 50% of my muscle fibers. That's not gonna be enough to get a training stimulus that I want, especially for high level, fast, explosive basketball. Let me get the next one, Phil. We just talked about that, my bad. I went a little bit early, next. All good. Um, okay, so why does this matter? Why does lifting the right weight matter, right? So if our type two muscle fibers are responsible for speed, strength, and power, the neurological adaptations or the brain adaptations are really what we're after. These uh, graphs right here, if you look at the left, is showing that muscle fibers, the small distal muscle fibers, are only responsible for producing about 80%. They're only responsible for producing about 80% of the load. That's the muscle. So the muscle is responsible for about 80% load. And then when you're looking at central nervous system adaptations, the brain is more responsible for producing the second piece of that, the 20% the that your muscles can't do. So we need the brain, we need the central nervous system, we need the motor units, we need the rate coding, we need this intention of movement speed yeah. to really intensify and, and, and make a difference on our training. What we got next? Right, when you activate fibers, they get trained, you have to turn them on to train them, when you train them, they adapt. <laughs> and if you don't train them, they don't adapt, damn it. Take home message. Uh, what else we got? So I think I have some rep schemes on here. So um, here's one chart that I use. Um, there's plenty of charts like this around. This is just going to show percent intensity at the top going across. We have 100% on the left and we have 0% on the right. And given what intensity you're working at gives you the goal that you're training for. So if you see on here, about 85 to 100% intensity is where we're, we're working on strength. The rep schemes are at the bottom. So if you see the bottom arrow, 100% is linked to one rep. So that's a one RM. You'll see that 85% is uh, six to eight reps-ish. You'll see like 12 reps should line up to about 70-ish percent. So if you know your one rep max or you've got an estimated one rep max, you can find yourself on this chart and you can see the percentage of the weight you're lifting and then you can determine whether or not you're in the right adaptation for your goal. If I'm lifting 50% intensity, but I want hypertrophy, I missed my mark. I missed my adaptation. That is no longer going to be an effective training load for me. So I'm wasting my time in the gym. This is why intensity is so important because it is the single most, single most important variable. You can use your reps to help you find intensity. So I know Phil says the reps are very important, but the reps will help you find intensity. Yeah. So if you're saying, I know that, uh, you know, about five or six reps is 85%, then I'm going to work my ass off on these five or six reps because my goal is 85% because I know that I'm trying to build strength. 
Same thing with muscle, uh, muscle growth or muscle endurance. Conditioning, we can also call muscle endurance. So I know that if I want, let's say between muscle growth and muscle endurance, I need to be between 12 and 15 reps. I damn well better make sure that my weight matches 12 to 15 reps because that is going to be indicative of the training intensity percentage of my 1RM. And how do you know that? What, what I tell my clients who, are, who train on their own, um, in person, it's a lot easier. But if you're going to eight reps, six should, you know, one, two, three, four should be, eh, you should be working. But five, six should be pretty tough. And seven and eight should be a grind. Like, like you should be pretty much failing at the end of that set. Or maybe you could get one more rep if you know you have three or four sets left. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I fully agree. I usually say leave one or two reps in the tank, um, but you should be having a very hard time finishing your set. Yeah. Finish your set to the point to where you could have, excuse me, I'm sorry. Finish your set to where you could have maybe done one or two more. You should feel like the end of the set was like, oh, geez, man, wow, that was really tough. I don't know if I could do another couple reps there. Yeah. That's the intensity we're looking for. And that's how you determine whether or not the reps are going to match the desired training percentage. And let me jump in one, one more thing in this slide with this uh, conditioning word. I know we talk a lot about conditioning in the group and conditioning for basketball. Um, Sean just said a second ago, though, this is more of muscular endurance. And when we're talking about basketball, this is kind of hoopoo. Like we don't need this up here. 15, 18, 20, 25 reps. Um, remember everything in the basketball uh, game that that means anything whether we're driving the basket jumping up for a rebound sprinting up the court fast break whatever these are all done with maximal intensities this doesn't get you there okay this is more for muscular endurance and we also talked about the the level of play in the game remember 80 percent of the game is on that high anaerobic end so we need to be up up in here we need to be yeah. all 100 percent. the only caveat to that i would say is maybe if you're um, you just finished a season and you're working on getting back an aerobic base or, or getting uh, back to a training frequency, you might start with somewhere around 15 reps just to build uh, some sort of, of base for your training. But that's, that's nowhere near the type of training you would be doing that specifically transfers to basketball. Well, and that's that training accommodation. Would... That's that rehearsal of movement. A lot of my players, their first phase, 10 to 12, 12 to 15, I never really go over 15, but um, just to rehearse some movement patterns and then we, you know, start cranking on, on the weight. But yeah, I agree with you too, 100%. Um, I don't know how many more slides there have. So we've kind of talked about some of these slides, but um, these are basic more. concepts. So the basic concepts for improving strength is large multi-joint compound movements. Yep. Sets are kind of irrelevant. I've done 15 sets of one before and I'm lifting 90% and it's just a grind and I'm taking minutes off or I've done, you know, I've done uh, five sets of five, seven sets of three, tons and tons of ways to do it. But the goal is you're lifting 80% to 100% 1RM. You're emphasizing max speed on your lifts and you're getting like sub five reps because we know that the more reps I do, the lower the intensity actually is, right? So if I'm working on strength, speed, or power, I need to make sure that my volume doesn't mess up my intensity. And then there's methods over there, like any major compound lift, um, hypertrophy, we're kind of in that same boat, right? So concepts, still big compound movements, sets are sort of relevant, but I'm working at a more, um, 
I'm working at a, a lower intensity for hypertrophy. So I'm doing eight to 12 reps, 70 to 90% one RM instead of 80 to hundred. Um, I'm getting a little bit less rest in between because I still want to make sure that I'm creating fatigue and I'm creating um, some of those metabolic stresses that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and then speed. So speed's one of those things. Speed gets really uh, um, kind of bastardized. A lot of people that I train who are elite athletes, they hate training for speed um, in the weight room because they feel like the weight isn't heavy enough. And so you're trying to do very explosive, very fast movements. I, I typically tend to save stuff like this with like medicine ball throws and uh, different light things. But if I'm having you do a, a chest press with a dumbbell and it's, you know, 20 pounds and you can do 80 pounds or say I give you 10 kilos and you can do 50 kilos, then you're going to say, hey, what the hell, man, this is too light. But yeah. the goal of speed is to actually move fast. You're moving faster than a weight would allow you to move. So you're maximizing velocity, not necessarily power when you're building speed. Power will help you, but um, this is gonna be less than 70% RM. So this is kind of one of those things where the intensity isn't high from the weight, the intensity is high from the movement speed because this is max speed and that bar speed is moving way faster than it normally would be moving. So we can create a high level of intensity. This goes back to our jumping example without weight, but the effort and the speed of what of that rep is going to determine the adaptation. So this needs to be light because if it was heavy, it wouldn't move fast. And if it's not moving fast, you're not getting fast. So speed needs to be trained. I usually stick to like 50% and below for speed of my one RM because I want to see bar speed moving at over a meter per second at least. Um, and then lots and lots of rest. So I'm not fatigued. Power, power is, is between, I, I mean, Power is one of those things where you can get power pretty much anytime you're maximizing your effort per lift. 50 to 100% RM. Power is a math formula. It's force times velocity. So I need to increase my force, but I also need to increase my velocity. So if I'm working on one half of my math formula, I can be on the higher end of percent intensity. If I'm working the lower end, if I'm working the, the velocity side of that math formula, I can be on the speed. So power is a mix of speed and strength. And it's somewhere in the middle of that where you have enough force and you're, you're propelling force with effort. Right. Um, and then that's just conditioning. That's long-term that's anaerobic. We've already kind of covered conditioning. So I don't think we need that slide um, too much, cool. but yeah. those are just some of the training variables and yeah. how intensity intersects those training variables. Yeah, dude, man, that was great. Um, <laughs> so much to, to, to digest. I, I wish we could do, wish we could do question and answers, but if, if anybody has questions, please leave them below and we'll be happy to answer them going forward. Um, uh, man, a couple of things that I, that I thought of um, with what you're saying um, with intensity and regarding jumping and all that, um, plyometrics need to always be done at max intensity, when we when I use that word intensity there, I'm meaning max effort. So yeah. even if you're jumping on a box that's only you know 10 or 20 centimeters, jump over and land. If you want to get anything out of that, you have to jump as if it's 20 meters. Like you have to jump with maximal effort every time. Um, and that's how I feel every rep should be done. To be quite honest, um, we know intensity, like we just talked about, is a measure of the one RM. But even if you're doing six reps. Every single rep should be done with just maximal intensity, whether it's a press or a pull or a, you know, a squat or whatever. 
I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's one of those really low hanging fruits um, that anybody can benefit on the very next session you have in the gym. If you're thinking about and you're doing, you're doing a row and you're like, all right, cool. I'm doing rows. It feels pretty heavy. You got to get out of your head and say, I'm doing rows and I'm pulling that thing. And it's just, it's a max effort. Like you shouldn't be able to talk right after your set. You should really be driving that weight. It's, it's, it's not a lazy movement. It's a max speed regardless of the load. So, I mean, that's the one thing I've, I've seen athletes who, who live by this law and were nothing. And now they're pro football players. You know what I mean? That's just something that you can generate power off every, every weight you can generate power because it comes from intent and thought. I said it at the beginning, we're really trying to tune the motor to do our, this, this achieved desired outcome. Um, and if we're trying, if we're, if we're being very intentional about tuning that motor to be a, a high vertical jumper, to be a quick first stepper, to be a good rebounder, all these things, um, you have to literally put that in your brain every rep in the weight room. And that's really how you get those, those, those motor units and that muscle fiber to work for you during a basketball game is to put the effort in in the weight room and you'll see the benefits in the, on the basketball court for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, just know that with that high intensity, that output, um, you, you're going to have an acute response. You're going to be in a negative space directly after your workout. So you can't expect to crush a workout like this and then go practice at the same level you would plan to practice on yeah. had you not done your strength and conditioning workout. So yeah. you can't perform your practice skills if you're too sore. So keeping high intensity, there's a trade-off between high intensity and um, sacrificing sport practice. So just make sure you're getting rest and recovery between those days. Yeah. Um, if, it's, if it's in season or, or preseason where you're about to be playing games or you're currently playing games, your sports practice is gonna be the most, uh, it, it's gonna be the most important thing you do for training. Um, I always personally, I always, I'm always the first person to step back because I don't want to create unnecessary stress on an athlete who needs to perform at a high level consistently. Um, so this is where we, we usually, uh, adjust the volume, right? So we're doing really low reps, um, we're like sets of three, sets of three for reps of two or three, you know? So if you guys are playing, that's uh, something to consider. You don't want to be doing five sets of eight. Um, you, we, just, we talked about that in one of our other previous videos, but volume should be super low. Um, yeah. And then you're going you're gonna to know that you're going to be at a performance decrement, um, I would say, right away until, you know, at least 28 hours or 24 yeah. hours at least, right. 48 hours sometimes for the central nervous system. I like AMPM splits. Um, yeah. Ideally, you're doing the more neural demanding in the morning. So your weight training typically is more neural demanding than getting up and out of the basketball court. So ideally, you would train, you would have at least four hours to rest, recover, get some food, and then you get back out on the court and do your drills, do your, you know, have your practice or your game, but, uh, but give yourself four hours post-workout to rest and recover. Yeah, that's a good rule of thumb, I think, to follow. I like that. Cool. Anything else you want to add here today, my man? Uh, I mean, you got to turn them on, guys. If you don't turn them on, they don't adapt, right? And yeah. so, Yep. Got to turn them on. It's got to be fast or heavy. Turn yep. them on. Cool. Uh, I love it. Training intensity, how to tr adjust that one variable to get quicker and faster. Um, there was a lot in here. If you have to go watch it again, it will probably be worth your time.
because you will pick up more and more things, just like listening to a song, watching a movie, you pick up new things. So, Sean, thank you for that. I really appreciate you putting that together. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that is all for today, man. We will see you next week. Woo. You ready for that? All righty. Uh, yep. See you all later. See you guys.